0: good morning everyone and welcome to the freeman means business wonder women in business podcast everyone has a story to tell and our wonder women in business podcast gives the voice to women whose story is meaningful moving and compelling we share their stories with the world so that in their shining they give permission to others to shine today's guest is gina rubel gina happens to be one of my dearest friends and i'm so happy to finally have her here on the show Gina, thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy busy schedule to be with us today.
1: Oh, thank you, Susan.
0: Well, tell me a little bit. Well, actually, tell them, the listeners, a little bit about yourself. I know a lot about you, but tell them a bit about yourself.
1: Well, Susan, thank you. Um, I'm the CEO of Fury Ruble Communications, which is a PR, marketing, and crisis communications agency for professional service industries. I'm also an attorney and former litigator, so we niche in uh, legal and law firm communications. And uh, in fact, Susan, I don't know that I told you this yet. Oh, yes, I did. Um, we are in the process of uh, editing my the second edition of my book, Everyday Public Relations for Lawyers, which is expected to publish later this year.
0: Awesome. I did know about that. Um, Folks, Gina forgot, but um, I have taken a peek. It's amazing. I am excited for this to come out. I'm going to share this with the world. It's a great book. She's a great writer. She's a great storyteller. Um, She makes it easy to learn what you need to know to succeed. So tell me a little bit um, more about your professional background because I love that you bring the JD to the table. Most communications experts, like myself, do not have that behind their name, but I would imagine it serves you well.
1: It does. You know, um, Susan, because we work with a lot of law firms and corporations that deal with legal matters, it allows us to just really understand both from the perspective of the lawyer as well as the in-house communicators. So it gives us a a head start, as you will, and it also allows us to work in compliance-based industries in such a way that we can get from point A to point Z more quickly.
0: So I have a feeling for those of us, well, for those of us who've worked in-house at law firms, we understand how lawyers think. And and, uh, with you being a lawyer, you understand how they think, and you can meet those pain points right on, head on. But so many people in the industry go in and say, well, I understand your clients, but it really is a different beast, understanding how lawyers think and act and feel in their belief systems and what makes them tick or what makes them afraid to do or or say certain things that we want them to. So I think that's a huge benefit. Um, In your career, how long is your career? How long have you been doing this?
1: Uh, Well, my company's 17 years old. Um, I've been, I think I've been proactively communicating since law school really, because I did three co-ops six months each when I was in college, all in corporate communications.
0: Nice, nice. Well, um, I know that you're Italian, you know that I'm Italian. I think we've been proactively communicating since we were born. I um, might say loudly <laughs> communicating too. Susan. There you go, <laughs> loud and clear. So what has been in your long career, what has been your proudest professional accomplishment, would you say?
1: It really is founding and su- successfully running a marketing and PR agency for 17 years. Um, you know, it's, a huge professional accomplishment. And when I started the company in 2002, someone that I trust dearly told me that I was crazy because of the economic downturn. And that person even intimated, and the person respects me greatly, that I'd never be successful because of the economy. And the good news is that we're still here 17 years later and stronger than ever. So I um, have to be doing something right. But the other side of that is I am fortunate to be surrounded by and lifted up by so many incredible people, both staff and colleagues like you in the industry.
0: Oh yeah, I do know you have a lot of colleagues who respect you. Um, You know, you have to earn your stripes and you've certainly done that over the years. You are quite, um, I think you lead by example as well. You lift others and it makes people say, hey, you know, you can be a nice person and and still be successful it doesn't have to be like i like to say in sports competition is the name of the game but in business i think collaboration is a better word and a better thing to aspire to to uh, accomplish is collaboration and you've been a great colleague and a great friend i love that we're coast to coast and we keep in touch Um, we have a lot of the same contacts i know that your clients um Folks, I don't know if you know Gina, but her clients make friends of her. (laughs) She ends up being their friend. I think that's great because people want to do business with people they know, love, and trust. Uh, Well, you know, we
1: really do. Um,
0: And it's interesting. I have a client
1: here in Pennsylvania, uh, the law firm Willig Williams and Davidson. And Deb Willig is uh, someone I hold dear. I've known her since I was a young lawyer. And she was the first chancellor of the Philadelphia Bar Association. And when I first met with her to do work for them more than, I want to say 13 or 14 years ago, she said to me, um, we go to our clients' weddings and wakes. Um, And for those who don't know what a wake is, it's a a, a viewing. (laughs) And I never forgot that because the truth is we do become friends with our clients because we deal with so many sensitive matters uh, on, especially on the PR side, but we're also their advocates. So it matters to be able to create good, solid long-term relationships.
0: Well, I think that um, going to your clients' weddings and wakes is very powerful. It means that you become part of their uh, family in, in essence, if you will. And I think that you have to be a trustworthy and kind, good listener, Uh, really someone who empathizes with the client's needs and then becomes just a part of the fabric of their success as well. And you've done that really, really well. Who in your history has been an inspiration to you?
1: Well, as I said, you know, I've been blessed to have so many people in in my life support me and several mentors. And it's interesting. I thought about this question because I had a feeling you might ask it and um you know, my mother mentored me to be compassionate and empathetic and to prioritize family over all else, which is why I started my company. And then my father, who was also a lawyer, taught me how to think strategically and in many ways how to follow my gut. My husband mentors me every day on everything from business management and business development um, to how not to be so hard on myself. Uh, Because we tend to do that, and then I had, I have a friend who, her name is Nene James, and she taught me some great systems and business practices to be more productive and profitable. But you know, Susan, every day I learn something new from our children who never cease to amaze me, who mentor me in ways I learn from them. The way they work so hard at school or sports and show up for their teammates. And, you know, I, I didn't play sports in high school or college. I was a dancer. So, you know, that's kind of a solo thing or with your, your dance troupe. And so I'm being mentored in so many ways every day. Um, I just try to be mindful and open to those messages.
0: So I I would expect that my guests would often have a mentor who's in their industry or a client or, someone who helped them get started, but that's so unique and beautiful that you said your children. Um, That's super, super touching and very moving. Um, Italians, we we like to, you know, family is everything. It is everything. You walk that walk. I, I know how much you adore your kids, but to give them credit for your successes and where you are today, that's awesome. I know Scott is a big part of your success and you give him credit as well. That's beautiful too. Uh, let me ask you, what what do you think we can do more of to help lift women, other women in business?
1: First of all, it is so important to help each other um, every step of the way. And for me, it starts with living and following a book that I have, I hold very dearly. It's called The Four Agreements. And if I can follow these agreements, then I can – help support myself, which means support others. And so The Four Agreements is a book that was written by a gentleman named Don Miguel Ruiz. And they're simple. So if I may, I'm going to share them with you. Please um, you. The, first, the first is be impeccable with your word. And that means to be honest with oneself so as not to impeach, which is the root of impeccable. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll always be honest with others. And I love that. Um, the second is don't take anything personally, <laughs> and this one's hard for most people, including myself, and I have to remind myself every day that what others do is not about me. Um, if you lose a client, it's not about you, it's about the choices that they've had to make that are in the best interest of them, you know, it's, and it really does keep you sane. Um, the third is don't make assumptions, and this one's a doozy because the smallest assumption can lead to the biggest misunderstandings. So I have to every day say to myself, mm, and I'm am I making an assumption about this, or do I have facts to back it up? Um, and then the fourth is always do your best. And what I love about this is, and this is how we hold we we uh, by doing each one of these things, we're helping to support others, and in particular women in our um, spheres of influence. And to always do your best means to do the best under the circumstances that you face. So in other words, if your best is to stay in bed and recover from the flu, then you've done your best. And perhaps if your best is to show up for someone, another person who is facing a matter or not sure how to handle a situation, another woman who reaches out to you to do that as well. Um, They're simple in theory, but definitely challenging in practice.
0: Well, I would imagine that, um, well, first of all, I'm very touched by these four agreements that you've mentioned. You've mentioned this book to me several times. Um, It seems like it would be quite liberating to embrace this way of life. Uh, Not easy, but liberating, you know, to understand, you know, you free the mind of all the anxiety that accompanies things like taking everything personally or assuming certain things without having the facts to, to judge, uh, your, your thoughts, beliefs and actions on, uh, doing your best. I think a lot of us believe we're doing our best. Um, but you just gave us permission to do things that others might not define as our best, like stay in bed. If you're not feeling like today, you should get up and get out, do your best to be your highest and best self. I know that I skip that a lot. <laughs> I don't. Well, have... We
1: all do. We yeah. all do. And I'll tell you, it's, it's, they're not easy to follow. And, you know, I really do try to put it into practice as much as possible, but that doesn't mean I'm, I do it perfectly by any means. There's also another, when it comes to lifting other people up, there's another, uh, another agreement in the book, which goes to being impeccable with your word that I'd be remiss if I didn't say, and it's to steer clear of gossip. And you can't be impeccable with your word if you are gossiping about others because you're doing yourself and others an injustice. And I think that's so important because I, I, I see it every day. I, uh, and not just women, men too, people, humans. They, they talk about others and, and wouldn't want the same thing said about themselves. And I really try so hard to... When I say be impeccable with my word, I really do think about what I say before I say it.
0: So folks, most of you listening, I I don't know about most, but many of you listening know Gina or know of Gina, and this is true. But those of you who do not, um, this woman lives this word. She is, she is. So you might have seen me on social media. I often say gossip and guilt are two worthless endeavors. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Why do something if you're going to feel guilty for it? Just, you know, think right, be clear, take a deep breath, think before you act, and don't do something that will make you feel guilty because guilt doesn't help it go away or make it better. Now, gossip, on the other hand, that is something done to others. Um, You might think you're causing no harm when you're gossiping, but I've been on the receiving end of it. I've been bullied. It hurts. It hurts way more than that person's gossiping in the moment feels good for them. Do you see what I'm saying? Like being on the receiving end hurts so much more than- Well, and
1: the truth is it, it also hurts the, 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 the person gossiping and it may even hurt them more because if you don't take someone else's gossip personally, if you learn how to do that, then the, the person delivering the negativity is going to be the one that looks bad. And that's really what I, I try to live in that space. And I, I susan i have to i promise you, I have not felt hurt like I used to as my younger self because I just don't take it personally as much as possible, yeah, it doesn't mean I don't react it doesn't mean that sometimes i forget that it's not about me, um, but it really, it makes for a much healthier lifestyle, I have to say.
0: Yeah, liberating, like I said. I guess, you know, as a new business owner, you you, you know, I'm shaking some things up some places, and um, I have to remember that, and I've committed to you personally, face-to-face, that I will read this book and try every day to live these four agreements, and not to take things personally, and just know that, You know, holding my head up and walking the other way doesn't make me weak, Um, you know, but we're not going to make this podcast about me. But I do think in sharing my authentic story and you sharing your authentic story, other women go, hey, wait, that sounds like what I went through or, oh, gosh, you know, thank you. I'll prevent that, you know, going forward or so forth and so on. Um, You know, I think that many of the people who listen to this podcast are from the legal arena, so they know you really well. But I also have a lot of listeners who are um, professional services mostly, but engineers, architects, and so forth and so on. Those are difficult professions for women. I, I think that you don't have something you can hold on to, nothing tangible to show the client. You have to be able to create a compelling story and create a message around your services and then create trust. How do you help your clients? Um, in the legal arena, create, you know, a safe and compelling story so that that clients will trust them and hire them. You know, tell me more about what you do on a day-to-day with your clients.
1: Well, first of all, our clients have to own their client value. And, you know, we've moved away from talking about just things like return on investment, you know, what the client delivers to other people, but what is the actual value and understanding, what our clients' clients value. Um, So when you're working in professional services as opposed to consumer services, um, or consumer products, I should say, it's about what the others, the the people hiring your clients want and need. And of those wants and needs, how they prioritize them. So it's really about understanding that. And in, in legal services in particular, It depends on the type of practice area and the type of industry. And so, and then the clients within those, because what somebody values who is trying to uphold a trademark is very different than what somebody values that is starting to try, uh, trying to start a new business and an upstart. So, the needs are different, and communicating that in an effective way. Is, is really what's most important and and what people miss in in understanding what public relations is because i'm I'm very well known as a public relations lawyer right um, you know my my that that's how I came up in this industry is that public relations public think about the word public it's about the public everyone that you're reaching and it's not about press releases per se we do them certainly, but it's really about your public perception, whether it's internally, with the people you work with, externally with clients, externally with members of the media who may be interviewing you. Um, But that perception and that value, that client value is what's so important. So it's defining that, that once we do that, we then help our clients to understand which channels are the right way for them to um, communicate their value. And on the other side of that, we also do a lot of crisis communications, which was, is different. I want to
0: ask you about that. So I have a friend who's been in PR for years, and she always says, um, you know, be clear, it's PR, not ER. But sometimes it is ER. And so speak to that because I know you are very, very much an expert in crisis communication. So speak to that when it is ER.
1: Okay, so Not everything is a crisis, number one. So not everything, we we like to talk about incident response and crisis response. And oftentimes an incident doesn't have to rise to the level of a crisis, and that's where we try to keep our clients. Let's define the incident, let's address the incident, um, let's mitigate the damage, and let's move on. So it's not always ER. When it rises to the level of crisis, and we don't always have control over that, whether it be workplace violence like an active shooter or uh, the death of a senior executive in the firm or you know a cyber breach the You don't have control over the fact that it happened now we have to determine how are we going to deal with it, and what what is the process to protect a our clients' clients, their data, their information, and at the same time, if it's workplace violence, most importantly, the people who are in the workplace at the time. Uh, And and then how how are you gonna handle it for the long term, whether it be internal messaging, external messaging, and then what are you gonna do to change that from ever happening again? Or at least what protocols and processes are you putting in place proactively Um, after a situation unfolds. So crisis communications is so much more than, oh, you know, let's go have a press conference and talk to the media. In fact, that's that's the rare occurrence, unless you're working in a DA's office. Um, It's really about maintaining control of a situation to the best of your ability, controlling the message and the media and what I I should say the mediums uh, to make sure that everything works out in the best way possible.
0: Can you give us an example? We don't have
1: control over everything.
0: Allow, I don't know if you're allowed, but are are you able to give me or give us an example of a recent um, crisis where the plan worked? Or 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 you may Yes,
1: Yes, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you very cryptically. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I would imagine because yeah. we really
1: don't talk about our crisis work um, because it's it's not they're not our stories to tell. How does right. that sound?
0: There you go. Um,
1: we were hired by a law firm, um, and they handle employment law to assist with a matter where a senior executive had um, needed to be removed from the position. And it needed to happen swiftly and carefully without media attention in an effort to protect the entity and any individuals involved with this impropriety. Um, and we spent a week on conference calls with the board. We helped get security in place. We uh, helped... We we're reviewing the correspondence that was going to be sent to the individual by the attorney. Um, and again, I'm sorry for being so cryptic, but it's the first one that came to mind. Uh, the matter was resolved. The individual was removed, uh, and life moved forward, which, which you can't is really good. say more than that.
0: No, that's good. So I think that having as little as possible to say about it means that, the preventive measures worked, right? So they did.
1: And I'll tell you I, I spent over the course of ten days, probably sixty to eighty hours dedicated to working on that. Wow. Um so it's not it, it you know, when it's and then there's there's much smaller things. You know, and it it just depends. I mean we work with banks as well and you know we've had skimming incidents where we have to get messages out to the customers where their, uh, their ATM card numbers have been skimmed and work with, you know, the, the bank has a certain procedure, but then if that gets out to the media, how do you handle that? Um, because yeah. I think what, the one thing that all listeners in every industry should be mindful of is that cybersecurity risks are only going to continue to grow And that's an area where we spend a lot of time and energy in putting together strategic crisis communications plans in in, in the event of when a cyber incident happens.
0: Not if, but when. I hear you. I hear you. So that is a huge deal. Um, I was going to ask you, of all the work that you do, and I know that you are an expert in many areas, different facets, What is your favorite or where where do you like to focus your time most? I know that it's as clients need, you're there. But I mean, if you could, in a perfect world, spend the greater part of your time doing X, what would X be?
1: That's that's an interesting question because I love um, the diversity of work. I think that's why I loved going into the area of law in particular because I like doing many different things. Um, I like... Yeah, I do enjoy helping people when they're in need. And I also enjoy proactively coming up with creative ways to tell a client's story. So, and I, I can't say I like one more than the other. It balances itself out.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I, I want the audience to know that you are a full service uh, firm, but you put your heart, I know you have a staff, I know you have a staff. But you are very personally involved in every client engagement. I know that you put your heart into it, not just your head and delegate others, but you personally put your heart into the best possible outcome. Uh, One of the things I love about being your friend, because I think you're that way personally with friendships as well as client relationships, um, you would come to weddings and wakes if you lived here too. I know. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, I don't know. I just invited uh, to a wedding and I would always be there if a client had a loss. So of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're sort of a sister from another mister, but let me, (laughs) what we don't hear often is, um, tell us a a lesson you might've learned or uh, from a challenge or a setback or how you might've overcome that.
1: The, the hardest, the hardest thing that I have ever had to go through was when my father was diagnosed with and some subsequently died from lung cancer. And during those eighteen months, um, you know, my husband and I still had, and still do have, children at home, and uh, we have a farm to take care of, and clients and staff that need proper attention and support. And I'm an only child. Um, And I wanted to be there to support my father and to spend time with him. And at the end of the day, I don't know how I would have gotten through it without my husband, my mother, my staff, um, and a few friends who showed up in ways that I would have never asked for or expected. Um, And what happens is in, in those types of challenges, and while it's not specific to a business challenge, um, it makes us think and we have to be resourceful and we have to be trusting of others. And, um, I can, I tend to be very controlling of our work and it it caused me to delegate better and to listen more and to even be a better teammate to my own staff because I had to rely on them. And so, you know, it was definitely the hardest thing I've ever had to go through in life. But I believe that I learned a lot from it as well.
0: So it sounds like the death of your father. um, And as sad as that is, because I have been there, I lost my father when I was 30, way too young. He was 62. Um, It sounds like you learned the hard lesson of letting go, not just letting Mm. go of your father to say goodbye to your physical father being here with you, but letting go of controlling the situation and trusting, trusting others. You, you learn to trust others more. Um,
1: you do. You really yeah, do.
0: Yeah. Well, it's great that you recognize that you learned some lessons through some tough time. You know, a lot of people, uh, they, call, they call it the wheel of samsara in certain uh, religions where mm. you have to go through this life experience, whatever it is, positive or negative, again and again and again until you get the lesson that was meant to be learned. So I think it's beautiful that your dad was able to teach you that in his passing, um, I don't want to get too deep. Those those listeners who know me personally know that I can get pretty deepy and weepy. Yeah, not today. <laughs> yeah, today's not the day. Um, but tell us something we don't know about you, a surprising fact about you. Um, there's so many to choose from. I'm sure you're going to, you know, shock the world. But tell me. Well,
1: tell- no, it's not that. It's not shocking, but it's just something I'm really passionate about. Um, my family and I have two sponsor children in the Philippines through an organization called Pearl S. Buck International. And, um, I was fortunate enough to take our daughter to the Philippines in 2017, where we got to meet our sponsor children for the first time. And, um, it was, it, to be a sponsor to children in a country where they have so much less than us, um, the trip was life changing and the surprising lesson that I learned is, is that um, I was making assumptions that people would be unhappy even in some of the most, what I would consider, devastating situations. And that's a assumption, which I shouldn't be making. And I learned so much from the joy and the love and the, I mean, just the passion of these people That, again, it was life-changing. So I am a huge advocate for an organization called Pearl S. Buck International um, because it has meant so much to me and my family.
0: Um, I think that's amazing. Tell me, well, first of all, that's one of the four agreements. I recognize that when you said you were making (laughs) the exception. Second of all, I personally believe that living in gratitude can take what others might view as a horrific situation and you yourself can handle anything when you live in gratitude. Um, but third of all, tell me about Pearl S. Buck Foundation. I read the books, I know who she is, but tell us, for those who don't, um, why why is that there where you live? Like, tell me a little more about that foundation. So,
1: it, so Pearl S. Buck International was founded um, in honor of Pearl Buck, who wrote The Good Earth, a uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning novel. Um, she was the daughter of missionaries in China, and she started, um, it was either the first or one of the first Amerasian adoption organizations in the United States. Um, Her, where she grew up, happens to be on a property adjacent to where my husband grew up. And that's how I was introduced through his family to um, the organization. She was really um, not just you know, people know her as an author, but she was more um, an advocate and uh, a woman who knew what the Me Too movement was before it existed, and a woman who believed in equality and justice, and a woman who—I uh, mean, she adopted children herself, and she practiced what she preached. And um, you know, when you talk about mentors, I did not have the privilege to know Pearl Buck, but. I try to learn from who she was and what she stood for, and it's really an interesting thing because we live in a rural part of Pennsylvania, about 45 miles north of Philadelphia, and the Pearl S. Buck um, International Foundation is right here, and it's one of the most incredible properties to visit and to learn, to be, uh, to advocate for others, and you know, she was talking about diversity before diversity was something we were talking about in law firms. Yeah. So it just, it's, it's an incredible story. And, you know, if anybody gets anything out of this podcast, go uh, look up the website and learn more about the organization and what they do, because it is life changing. It's just really special.
0: Well, I'm so glad you shared that with us. Um, I know that most people do know her as an author. I've read and loved The Good Earth more than once. And I had no idea about this foundation and what she did. Um, and now that you do so that folks I did not know that surprising fact about Gina it's not the one I thought she was going to share she has so many um, you blew me away with that so I thought you were going to tell us that you've renovated a barn and that your office is out of a barn uh, which I think is fantastic um, uh, you know what? I didn't even think to tell you that <laughs> <laughs> well, no, if, if you have this big of a wonderful surprising fact up your sleeve why would you talk about that but they're both amazing but I, I mean you know, um, adopting children in the Philippines, that's, that's pretty incredible. And
1: I don't want to say it, we didn't adopt, we sponsor. And, sponsor. I, and I want to just say that because it is a, you know, a difference.
0: Sponsor. The people
1: that's who bigger. adopt impress me even more.
0: Sponsor. You're right. Sponsor. I should be careful about that word. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. But you
1: know what? I'll tell you a neat, a very quick neat story. I know we have to go, but, um, when I shared the photos from the Philippines, while, while we were there, one of our colleagues in the Legal Marketing Association, someone um, just wonderful, and I, I'm not going to say a name just because I don't know if she would be comfortable, um, then reached out, went through Pearl Buck, and decided to sponsor a child herself.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Um, and it was really special. And we now have this bond as a result of, of that. And um, that just, that was a gift to me. It was a, a selfless gift to me that meant the world because here she went, sponsored another child to get education, to help them to be able to be self, self-sufficient. self And I could have never in a million years, I, I, I would not have guessed that this person would have done that.
0: Wow. And it's just,
1: we didn't know each other that well. I mean, so I didn't, I just That's wasn't.
0: Was it because of you that she learned of this opportunity to do this great service living in service? It was,
1: it was because of Facebook awesome. because I was sharing my pictures and the story wow. of these kids. And so, you know, it talks about the power of social media and sharing positive stories too. Yeah. And we, you know, we, we were acquaintances and now we're friends.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So Gina, I know that you've touched the lives of so many beyond what you realize or recognize. Um, People want to, if they want to reach you, how would they reach you? I'll, I'll write a blog cast and I'll put your contact info in there, but can people connect with you on LinkedIn or how would they reach you?
1: Um, they can go through my website, Fioriarubel.com. That's F as in Frank, U-R-I-A-R-U-B-E-L.com. And if you go to my bio, it has a link to my LinkedIn profile. It has a link to my Twitter profile. That would just make it easier for everyone um on twitter i'm at gina Rubel, and um i'm always available by phone and and uh email as well
0: you are an incredible woman and a gift to me to be able to call you and vice versa absolutely thank you so much everybody thank you for tuning in Um, Have a great day and look forward to more wonderful podcasts with Wonder Women in Business. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.